Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, May the 26th, 2022. It is 8.03 on your Tucson Thursday, and whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or via your Alexa-enabled device, I do appreciate you spending your time uh, here on the Jeff Dean Show. I know that you have options of where you listen. And as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, I hope we're able to bring plenty of local for you as well as all the national stuff uh, to your uh, to your mornings every day here from 7 to 9, weekday from 7 to 9 a.m. Did some local stuff in hour number one talking about Pac-12 baseball. Arizona baseball gets the win over Oregon yesterday in the inaugural uh, Pac-12 baseball tournament. A lot of first for Arizona going into the record books in the Pac-12 baseball tournament. First uh, team to play. First team to get a hit, first team to score a run, first team to hit a home run, and as I said earlier, most importantly, most uh, first team to get a win in the Pac-12 baseball tournament. So uh, wish them luck. They will be playing Stanford this afternoon, uh, the number one team in the uh, in the conference. See if Arizona can get that dub with Garrett Irvin on the mound for them today. Uh, also, plenty of stuff to get into, local things to talk about today uh, in here at hour number two as the Wildcats have officially signed Estonian stretch big, I guess is what we're going to call these uh, these types of players now, the stretch bigs. <laughs> Enri Viesar, I, I'm, I don't know the, the pronunciation quite yet. I'm sure I'll learn it, and I'll, I'll have to learn it before October. Um, and and uh, so good to have him in. We'll talk about his uh, his signing and what he brings to the team later on in the, uh, in the show. I'll finish this by saying about Colin Kaepernick. When when he was when he was on when he was in his prime essentially when he was winning football games going to the Super Bowl he was electric I mean they were able to do some things with him that we you know other teams weren't able to to figure out specifically the Green Bay Packers they rushed for like 180 yards against them in that playoff game um, his athletic skill and talent I mean it really can't be denied he had an absolute rifle for an arm. He's got, you know, he's a he's a big kid um, with you know long legs. He's a long strider. He's very fast. He's got good vision. It doesn't make him a great quarterback. And if he actually did actually show up this time for the workout in Las Vegas, we'll find out if he's better than Chase Garbers or Jarrett Stidham, and is able to get a a roster spot for you know an OTA and. Uh, for a preseason, maybe even a preseason game. Oh, my God. Could you imagine that? If Colin Kaepernick were to take the field in Las Vegas in a preseason game in his home state, essentially, or he went to Nevada, and, yeah, that would be (laughs) – what a show. That's what it – hey, that's what it is. It's Vegas. It's the Raiders. It's a show. And uh, that's pretty much all this is because he is no longer capable of playing quarterback in the league. That's for damn sure. Um, okay, more things coming out of Nevada. This one is a very – this is going to develop into an interesting story, and, and I've been kind of waiting to hear about what was the next uh, the next shoe to fall, essentially, in this particular situation. 
But in the John Gruden, John Gruden brought uh, brought a, a case essentially against Roger Goodell in the NFL. It was a a motion essentially that basically claimed that Roger Goodell and the NFL selectively leaked his emails in an attempt to force his removal from the league. This was a motion that the NFL was trying to get to go to arbitration. However, it has to go to a judge in a court of law first because of antitrust laws and things like that. You have to it has to be heard before a judge before the judge can say, "Yes, I will allow this to go to arbitration inside your own company, inside your own secret court essentially." The judge in this particular case in, in Nevada, uh, Judge Nancy Alf denied the NFL's motion to first dismiss the case. That was their first motion, was to dismiss. She said, no, we're not dismissing this case. Then the NFL's second motion was to try to compel her to allow them arbitration over the case. She also said, no. <laughs> so... The judge ruled in favor of John Gruden and had some very interesting things to say in the process of of this whole uh, you know of this whole preliminary case there. Now, making this ruling more potent is that the judge you know who ruled from the bench. Um, look, this is this is one of those things where we don't often see this. We don't often hear about these kinds of things. Usually. It's looked at through paperwork and things like that. The judge signs off one way or the other. This judge took to the bench, heard arguments from the opposing uh, counsel in this particular case, and ruled with a gavel that this would not that, that the motion by the NFL, both motions by the NFL, would be denied, and that this case will go to trial. Now, there are two options here for the NFL and for John Gruden. They can either agree on a settlement, or they will go to trial, one or the other. Now, the NFL will appeal. The NFL is going to appeal, and the their reason for the appeal, <laughs> I have to laugh about this. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry that, I, that it, 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 it's, a, it's a very serious case because John Gruden was essentially fired. Uh, you know, he resigned, but forced to resign his position as head coach of the, of, of the, the Las Vegas Raiders because there was an uncovering of scathing emails that was sent back and forth between he and scouts and other coaches and one of them with another team, with the uh, the Washington uh, football team at the time. There were remarks, anti-gay remarks, there were misogynistic remarks, and allegedly there were racist comments as well. The NFL's argument for this case not to go to trial is, quote, the language used in the racist, anti-gay, and misogynistic emails is not fit to be repeated in a public courtroom. Let me, let me rephrase that. The NFL's argument for not wanting this to go to trial is because they think that people's, court, people's feelings in the courtroom are going to be hurt when they hear what people had to say in these emails. Are you kidding me? That is your argument? Your argument against this thing going public is that the public doesn't want to know what was said in these emails, that it's it's unfit for public courtroom consumption. Have you been watching 
the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial? I haven't, but a lot of people I have, just about everybody I know has. I don't have time for that. But there's been some things in that courtroom being said that I, I can't repeat on the radio because I want to be able to protect the license. The FCC will bring a giant, uh, you know, a giant hammer to the radio station along with a check, uh, with, a, uh, with, a, you know, with a, a blank check made out to themselves. Say, here, fill this out for all the violations your morning show guy said because he was spouting some vulgar and disgusting and vile things on the radio uh, when you're not allowed to. So I can't even repeat some of the stuff that's been said in that trial. However, the NFL thinks that there's going to be some names being called in the emails that are not fit for a public port courtroom. Get the hell out of here. Like, seriously. This is your argument? The mighty NFL, the $20 billion mega corporation that you are. Your argument that you don't want it to go to trial is that uh, we don't want fe- people's feelings to be heard inside the courtroom. Get out of here with that. Listen, you lost. You took a big fat L yesterday, and you're upset about it. Because now, guess what? You can't have your little uh, uh, kangaroo court, right? The, 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 the kangaroo court in the NFL. You can't, you can't hold a secret meeting behind closed doors that is ruled upon by one autonomous, omnipotent human being, in Commissioner Roger Goodell, in an arbitration case to basically support the fact that you didn't purposely leak the emails against him to get him thrown out of the league. Are you serious right now? Like, this is, this is a group of adults that decided this would be the proper argument for this case. We don't want to go to trial because the things that were said in the emails are not fit to be repub- repeated in a public courtroom. Shut up. Get out. Don't, don't pee on me and tell me that it's raining. You took a big fat L. In fact, the judge in this case said, quote, quote, that she was concerned about Commissioner Goodell having sole and autonomous power as the potential arbiter of this case. She was concerned that basically John Gruden was not going to get a fair trial if it went to arbitration. And you know what? She is 100% correct. Props to Judge Nancy Alf for basically making a decree from her judge's bench bench with a gavel stating what we all know to be already true, that the NFL rules with an iron fist just as long as it happens behind closed doors, and then they can write whatever public narrative they want after it's all said and done. But these things are all done in secret, like, you know, some crazy i'm I'm gonna stir up a lot of people here some crazy illuminati meeting because that's a trigger word for people Ooh, secret society the nfl that's what they do and the judge basically said no you're not going to do this in this case not on my watch now if the nfl's appeal reason for appeal uh doesn't get you know essentially if 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 the next judge laughs at it as heartily as I have been laughing about it since I read what the NFL's claim was, then this will go to trial. Because here's what the thing is. I don't think John Gruden cares about what's in those emails. What he cares about 
is the fact that the NFL purposely leaked them and only them to, for whatever reason, wanted to get him out of the league. That's what he cares about. And the NFL will probably be like, hey, well, $25 million shut you up. No, get out of here. No, I don't want your money. I made plenty of money. I'm a happy man. What I want is for you to be exposed. And this is one step closer to it happening. Because the last thing the NFL wants, the last thing the NFL wants, is a public trial with proof that they leaked these emails. And according to John Gruden's counsel, they have proof. (laughs) And that is bad, bad news for the NFL. Because Roger Goodell wants to just put, you know, take this into his office, sit down the lawyers and be like, okay, we're going to hear your arguments. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, we were, you know, everything is, uh, everything's on the up and up here. And, uh, yeah, nothing, no wrongdoing was done. And we're, everything's fine and we're good. And, and, you know, we'll see you later. That, because that's what they want to do. The, the claims from the NFL, they, they gave a statement. They said that we believe Coach Gruden's claim should have been compelled to arbitration and we're going to file an appeal of the court's determination. They said the court's denial of our motion to dismiss is not a determination of the merits of Coach Gruden's lawsuit, which, as we've said from the outset, lacks a basis in law and fact and proceeds from a false premise that neither the NFL nor the commissioner leaked Coach Gruden's offensive emails. We were talking about this like two days after this happened, right? This all came out during a Monday night football game. Um, was it the Bills-Titans game? I think it was. I think it was that Bills-Titans game on Monday night. came out that there were emails traded back and forth that were found, uh, John Gruden's email account, that had all of these scathing comments in there, anti-gay, uh, racist, misogynistic comments and things like that to another coach or you know a member of the Washington football team at the time. And then... Like, we started kind of, other people, obviously, uh, started kind of tearing apart the timeline. It was like, well, how did this get out? But these other emails didn't get out. And, you know, how would this have, have happened? Because the NFL was investigating a report on the Washington football team about, you know, essentially about mistreatment inside the organization, mistreatment of employees and things like that, specifically women in inside that organization. And... It, it, essentially, they like it took them forever to figure that kind of stuff out, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Ooh, we found these emails from John Gruden. Looky here, boom." <laughs> well, wh- wh- like, where did they come from? Like, we immediately started picking this thing apart, and immediately it smelled fishy. Like this whole thing stunk from the get-go. And I'm not saying I'm taking John Gruden's side. If John Gruden, and I'm sure that the NFL wouldn't move forward with this if there wasn't stuff in those emails that is going to be very damaging to John Gruden's character uh in, in his you know his you know, essentially his personal you know beliefs and things like that or 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 you know whatever you know things that are that are very sensitive in nature and, and look there probably are anti-gay and misogynistic and possibly even racist comments in these in these emails and it's not going to look good for john gruden i, I you know I'm, I'm sure the nfl just didn't make this up okay <laughs> they could they wouldn't do that I, at least i don't think so Guess you never be, you know, I can't be surprised anymore these days with stuff that goes on. But they just thought that it was going to be, 
you know, some court was just going to allow them to arbitrate it themselves, and they'd be able to put their stamp on it behind closed doors and be like, yep, we were right all along, and no one needs to know anything else, and we're just going to move on with our business. And John Gruden's like, nah, nah, uh-uh. I was, I was railroaded from the beginning on this. And like I said, this whole thing stunk from the get-go. And uh, I applaud the judge in this case, Nancy Alf, Nevada uh, circuit judge, I think. And uh, uh, I believe that, uh, that this thing will go to trial. I don't, I don't think that the NFL, the leg that they're standing on about the, the comments are too sensitive for a public courtroom. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the appeal judge is going to look at that and go, you couldn't have come up with anything better than that. Like, that's the best you could have come up with? Is that our ears are too sensitive for the content in these emails? Mm. Okay. There better be some really, really, really bad stuff in there. Some really bad stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, in order for it to be too sensitive for us in this, in this day and age. Because, man, I t- you turn on the news at any given moment and you're like, my God. I can't believe that this is being put out there on the news. Uh, you know, people are, are being numbed to all kinds of things out there in the world today because of things that we readily have available to our eyes and ears. And you think that some misogynistic and anti-gay emails are going to be too shocking for a public courtroom? Good luck. Good luck. Now, this is going to take a while. This This will be... Probably the last thing we report on this for another for another month or two, but I believe a trial is coming, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see just how deep that rabbit hole goes, because I get I, I'd be willing to bet I'd be willing to bet a, a considerable stack of money that the NFL did in fact leak those emails on purpose for some kind of reason. I'm just really interested to see what the reason is. Like why is is the is the the, the 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 desire to make yourself look more proactive by calling out people who are acting in a racist or misogynistic way is the desire to 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 put yourself out there to to slam these people and to to make these people public so immense these days that you'd be willing to break laws to do it. Because that's essentially what's what we're talking about here. Look, I don't mind c- calling people out. Like, you, if somebody does something wrong, you call them out for it. Okay, that's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If somebody does something wrong, you call them out. But if you have to go around and circumvent the legal system to be able to do it, just so that you because you think that you're powerful enough to contain this, you know, giving of information within your own doors just to make yourself look better like oh look we're proactive we're firing racist people in our in our organization great we want you to fire racist people how did you find out they were racist oh <laughs> the emails were made public because you wanted to put yourself out there you needed something you needed something to make yourselves look good at the moment good luck that's all i'm saying some more NFL news. We'll take a break. Uh, this on the players' side, two quarterbacks who have not shown up for their OTAs. We'll talk about that. One being Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. The other being Kyler Murray as their general manager, Steve Kime, went on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. We'll talk about what he said next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. 
The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, welcome back to the uh, Jeff Dean Show here. Finishing up some NFL talk before we get into some news on uh, U of A campus. Things happening. We'll talk about that coming up. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who has been absent from Ravens OTAs, uh, this is the first time, by the way, that, that Lamar Jackson has been absent from Ravens OTAs. Head coach John Harbaugh said, we've been down this road many times through the years, not with Lamar Jackson, however. <laughs> he says, I'll just let Lamar speak for himself on that. It's for him to talk about. You can ask him. Now, on pressed on the issue, asked him about whether he's concerned about Jackson missing practice time. Harbaugh said, quote, it's not for me to speak. For somebody else on that, it's up to him to speak for himself on that. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like the the father-son type of relationship that those two have shown over the last three years. Now, the interesting thing of this, and, and probably the most difficult thing for them to get through in this whole situation, is that Lamar Jackson is self-represented. He does not have an agent. Lamar Jackson represents himself which makes things all that much more difficult because as a player, as a very, very high-profile player, he's got a lot of other things going on that don't necessarily uh, involve the uh, you know intricacies of contract uh, discussions and things like that. I think he just feels like, oh, we'll, just, we'll get it done. They'll show me a number, and I'll agree on the number, and I'll sign the deal. It doesn't work like that. These teams have people in place that make a lot of money to figure out ways to screw players out of more money. So, listen, I believe that that people should be uh, self-represented in any case where they feel confident and capable of doing so. However, in the world of the NFL, dude, just get yourself an agent. <laughs> like, don't mess around with these people. They will screw you big time. Like, get professional representation. That's That's my... That would be my recommendation to Lamar Jackson. My recommendation would also not be to just start banging the table after you've been in the league for three years uh, about needing a new contract and wanting to be the highest paid player in the NFL when you haven't even produced a playoff win, let alone a Super Bowl victory or anything like that, which is the case with Kyler Murray, the current quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, general manager of the Cardinals, Steve Kime, we talk about him Several times here on the show, talk about him a lot, actually. Uh, he was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday and said that he's, quote, he's changed his tone a little bit, that he's now confident that a deal with, with Kyler will get done this summer. Now, it's interesting to, uh, to see that he's kind of changed it. He says, I feel like we'll be able to get something done this summer. A little more confident than he was Oh, a month or a month and a half ago when he basically said it's a timing thing and we haven't talked yet. <laughs> so uh, that they would, what did he say? We're going to try to get something done with Kyler. <clears throat> that didn't instill a lot of confidence. Well, yesterday, changed his tone a little bit, says that he's a little more confident. He says something will get done this summer. He says uh, anyone who's done this before, it's done anywhere from July to September. It's no different for us. 
We know he's under contract for another year and also the fifth-year option in 2023. He is our future, and we feel that strongly. So, look, it is just a matter of time before a deal gets done. I just don't know what that deal is going to look look like. The longer the Cardinals wait, the more money they're going to have to pay. I talked about it on the show, you know, early on in the process, that if they had if they had just signed Kyler to the deal that he presented them with, he would right now be the sixth highest paid player in the league. <laughs> so um, they missed the boat on that one. Oops. Uh, they didn't want to make him the highest paid player at the time, and then the craziness of this NFL offseason occurred, and now if they signed him to that deal, he'd be the sixth, I think you're sixth or seventh, by now, maybe maybe another one has been stacked up on top of it. But the numbers that I was made privy to of Kyler's uh, contract demands would have made him the, essentially right now, today, the sixth or seventh highest paid player in the league just some six weeks after he had uh, he had presented them with that offer. So it goes quick, man. Moves fast. Life moves fast, right? Like what, what, is, uh, what does Ferris Bueller say? Life comes at you fast if you don't uh, – Stop and uh, smell the roses uh, from time to time. You're going to miss it. Well, they probably should have just done I mean, hindsight being 2020. Obviously, I, I think at the time, a lot of us were bristling at the fact that Kyler wanted to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Well, if the Cardinals are considering him the future of their team, and he, you know, he's going to be their quarterback for a long time, that is now going to cost them a hell of a lot more money than it would have six weeks ago. So, we'll uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. All right, we're going to switch over to some more local news as the Wildcats got some news yesterday. Wildcat basketball program as uh, Henry Viasar, the Estonian stretch big, made his commitment official as he signed with Arizona yesterday. We'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, some news coming out just now as reported by the uh, the uh, information department at, uh, at Arizona Athletics that a new, uh, a new golf center is going to be built at the TCC uh, we'll talk about that coming up in just a moment as well. Stay tuned here. It's the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Switching back to local here in hour number two for the Arizona Wildcats basketball team, they got a nice shot in the arm yesterday as a uh, uh, the signee. And this was first reported by Euro Hopes last week. We talked about it. Euro Hopes had said that, that Estonian big man Henry Viasar was going to be joining Arizona's basketball team. Well, yesterday he announced his commitment to be officially a member of the Arizona Wildcats and now giving Tommy Lloyd another international player lined up in the uh, on the roster for the upcoming season. This time, it is a skilled big um, who fits all of the things that Tommy Lloyd likes to do uh, with this particular program, and you know, with his his philosophy and what he does. Um, he's a you know versatile, skilled big man. In fact, Tommy Lloyd said in the statement, "quote Henry is a skilled player, and it might be Henry. I I don't know yet, but a skilled player that can play inside and outside." and gives us length and a presence around the basket on the defensive end. We're excited for Henry and his, and his outstanding outstanding family to join our program, and we can't wait for him to arrive on campus later this summer. Now, he's been praised by a lot of different scouts who are familiar with the overseas 
uh, aspect of the game and recruiting. Um, you know, one of the things that is really, you know, really well noted about his about his game is the, the, the fact that he's been getting the top tier of coaching while he's been playing. In fact, Tommy Lloyd even noted that. He says that he was well coached with Real Madrid's youth program over the last few years and played against the top teams in Europe. While he received plenty of attention from analysts who study European talent, such as ESPN's Jonathan Giveney. Now, I just, I actually just retweeted something that that uh, Jonathan Giveney had tweeted out uh, about 30 minutes ago, a, a video of a workout, an NBA workout, by Benedict Matherin. You can go check it out on Twitter. It's a very impressive look at uh, at Benedict and and how his game is continuing to blossom in front of NBA scouts. Now, Jonathan Giveney, who is a very, very well-respected scout, specifically in the European um, circles of NBA and, you know, kind of NBA draft uh, status and things like that, uh, said that uh, he's arguably the most promising European prospect committing to the college route in the class of 2022. He said the same thing about Azulis Tabellis when he committed to the Wildcats uh, just a few years ago out of Lithuania. Quote, Visar has an intriguing skill set for a modern big man with a seven foot two wingspan, excellent size, mobility, and a perimeter shooting ability that could allow him to emerge as a legit NBA prospect as his lanky frame fills out in time, which will happen quickly under Chris Round's tutelage. Uh, that's my input there. <laughs> He's quick off his feet for lobs or putback dumps uh, dunks, but he also shows promising ball handling, passing ability, and shooting range as well as the ability to protect the rim and clean the defensive glass. Now, NBA Draft Junkies, the website um, that, you know, that Giveney uh, runs, projects Visar would become the first Estonian in the NBA in over 25 years. And ID Prospects, which is also a European uh, scouting agency, essentially, they've rated Visar the number six prospect born in the year 2004. So that's it's pretty high. <laughs> that's that's pretty good accolades from a couple of uh, well-established uh, type of scouting, uh, you know, uh, services and such. Um, Raphael Barlow of NBA Draft Junkie said the future of Estonia basketball is Henry Viasar. At the very minimum, Viasar projects to be a pick and pop center in the NBA. At the very minimum. Uh, so look, this is this is a nice get, a great get for uh, for Tommy Lloyd and the Wildcats. Again, we're still waiting to find out, and we'll know in the next five days if Dalen Terry is going to return to Arizona or not. If Dalen Terry returns, that gives them a an insanely potent roster for the upcoming season. And we saw the improvement of Adama Ball late in the season. He's going to continue to get better. We know that Umar is going to be back this year. Kerr will continue to improve his game at the point. Uh, I think that, that Azulis, his his... I guess, you know, lack of assertiveness in the postseason, I think was more of a uh, more of the, um, I guess, the, the exception than it would be the rule for him. I think we're going to see him come back with a little bit more of a fire uh, in his uh, in his belly this year. And I really like the way that Pella Larson's game was improving throughout the season. He wasn't the shooter that we thought we were getting because we, when we saw him at Utah, he was just a sniper. He, the, the kid just uh, – I felt like he never missed every time he took a shot, every time I watched him on TV or saw him live. Um, last year he turned into more of a – look, he bulked up and he became a 
more well-rounded player. He became a player who can handle the ball, a player who's going to be defending three different positions. He played the center position when Wildcats went small. He was a good and a very effective rebounder. Of course, an excellent uh, free-throw shooter. And I think that his three-point shooting will come back once he settles into this new body because he grew so much over you know over like a 12-month span of time. I believe that he'll sh- his shooting touch will come back to him, and I expect him to shoot better this season for Arizona. So good news for the Wildcats. Good news for the uh, the men's and women's golf teams and for the department, uh, the athletic department at Arizona, as it was just announced about 30 minutes ago that Arizona will be building the Bill Clements Golf Center at Tucson Country Club. They have reached an agreement to construct the new facility to be the official home of Arizona men's and women's golf programs. The Bill Clements Golf Center will be named in honor of philanthropist and community icon Bill Clements, who passed away in 1995. Now, Bill Clements, if you're not familiar, is one of the more well-known golf course architects of our time. He, he, you know, he, he changed uh, golf courses for the better uh, and was a, a tremendous architect in the world of, of, uh, of golf courses. Um, I worked with a guy... A long time ago, in my first gig in radio, and th- this guy is ridiculously uh, successful. The guy's <laughs> this person. You've—I guarantee you've heard his voice. It, it doesn't matter where in the country you live; you've heard his voice on commercials and all kinds of things. Anyway, his dad was a golf course architect in Colorado, and um, th- he worked alongside Bill Clements a lot as well. Those two collaborated on a lot of things and shared their their knowledge and were able to, uh, you know, advance the world of golf courses over the last, you know, 30 years or so. Uh, the uh, The naming gift was given by Ginny Clements to recognize him in this special way for his generosity to the University of Arizona golf programs and to the Southern Arizona community. Now, the project has a cost of $14.86 million, and it's going to include a laser-guided putting green, hitting bays, new locker rooms, a student-athlete lounge, a medical services room, and other amenities as well. Uh, Dr. Robbins, President Robbins, said, I'm incredibly proud of our men's and women's golf programs as representatives of the best the University of Arizona has to offer. Now, what I want to talk about, and look, this is all great stuff, and, and there's look, there's plenty of opportunities that are going to come of this. Arizona is now going to be able to attract better recruits. Obviously, facilities is a huge aspect in recruiting. This is going to give Arizona a top-flight, uh, top-tier facility in the world of men's and women's golf. It's also going to open up the door once again for the TCC to host events, big events, and invite uh, you know big tournaments and pro- other big programs from, from across the country to play here. But what I want to say about this is the, the athletics department – needed a minimum fundraising amount of $10.5 million to make this happen. There was a gift that was given of of about $4 million, and the fundraising number was at $10.5 million for the athletic department. They exceeded that goal, and I, I just – this is something that, that is near and dear to my heart. I, like, it really is. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter the sport – the people of Tucson and that community and the, the fans, the alumni, and again, just the people in the community are so giving of that or of, of that of that university and, the, and its athletic programs. Listen, I 
I grew up in a family that was, we were a, a house divided, okay? My father's side of the family, they were all ASU. My father didn't go to ASU. He went, he went to another, another university, played football there. But two of my uncles played football at ASU for Frank Cush. One of them played in two Fiesta Bowls, was a, an all-conference guard for three years uh, at Arizona State. My cousin played for Rob Evans in basketball. My aunt was an Olympic, uh, an Olympic uh, uh, participant in ASU Olympic sports. I have numerous family members who have all gone to ASU and worked for ASU in the athletic department specifically. And the one thing that we talk about, like when we get together and stuff, we talk, you know, Christmas and Easter and things like that, big family-type holidays and stuff. Uh, the one thing that I always hear from them is like, as close as they are with the athletic department, they don't hear often from the university asking for, for money when they know that the university needs money. And second of all, the alumni, former players, uh, you know, anyone involved with, with Arizona State athletics rarely give. And I remember talking with, uh, with a member, a high-ranking member of Arizona's, Arizona State's athletic department several years ago and just like, we can't, we can't squeeze a dime out of any of our alumni. We can't get any money from them. Everything that we're getting is, is all generated from within. And then you see stories like this where Arizona went out to the community and said, we need $10.5 million, and the community responded. And it is, it, is, it is a night and day difference between the two schools, between the two communities, between the two athletic departments. And I couldn't be more proud of my hometown, my people, the, the folks in Tucson, the U of A alums, the former letter winners, and just supporters of the athletic department and the programs within. I could not be more proud today. Like, I really, like, this is, and look, again, $10 million, it's like, okay, you know, we, we've, we've had great fundraisers before. This is for a golf facility at TCC, and it's not, a, you know, it's not upgrades to the football stadium. This is not going to, to help the community be more comfortable or anything like that in, in that situation, okay? It is... It is just a clear line of giving and caring and wanting the the university to do better and be better and people ponying up for it in a really, really giving time in our lives right now. So I want to say props to the Tucson community, to everybody there, to the folks who give, to alumni, to former letter winners, anyone who who cares about these programs and is willing to give anything. Um, and again, this is, you know, this is a, a you know, a, a golf, uh, a golf facility that is going to be something that is cutting edge and it's going to be in a great person's name uh, to boot. So this is just a, a nice proud moment for all Wildcats out there as uh, look again, it's not a, this is not a new stadium that we, you know, we raised a hundred million dollars to, uh, you know, completely demolish the, the east side of the stadium and rebuild and all this other stuff. This was a $10.5 million deal that was, it was pretty quiet, to be honest with you. Uh, but you guys stepped up, and I just, I'm just over, overcome with, with joy and pride right now to be a Wildcat and uh, thankful for all of that. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next, right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. 
More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Be sure to tune in today from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN Tucson for Spears and Ali. Sure, they'll have some opinions on Colin Kaepernick's workout with the Las Vegas Raiders or supposed workout or invitation to work out or whatever it was that actually took care. I mean, I, there's no video of it, so we don't know if he actually worked out or not. And the Raiders haven't made a statement on his workout. So the last time he was invited to an NFL franchise, he didn't show up. So uh, we don't even know if he showed up. <laughs> so keep that uh, – see that you know throughout the day and see if anything comes of that. I'm sure they'll have some – some comment and some opinions on that, as well as plenty of other things. And they'll have uh, plenty of comment, I'm sure, about uh, some of the other things that we talked about today as well with Henry Viasar officially signing with the Wildcats, the, the new golf facility, and plenty of other things that are going to happen throughout the day because they always do, including the Pac-12 baseball tournament, which is going on in Scottsdale. First pitch is going to be in about 10 minutes. The Wildcats will play this afternoon at 445, uh, scheduled for first pitch there as they take on number one Stanford today. If you're looking for a little entertainment and for a little laugh in the world of sports, I recommend going to find the video of the conversation. I don't know if you call it a conversation, a confrontation maybe, between 49ers defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw and reporter Grant Cohn. Uh, Grant Cohn is a, a kind of a, he's a needling kind of journalist in the area in San Francisco and he he often uh, goes and and you know makes videos and things like that and talking and he talks a lot of trash about players and stuff like that. He, he's he's not well liked by the by the players and by the teams, but nonetheless he does have a press pass and he does get access to the certain things. Now, apparently there was an altercation between Cone and Kinlaw at one of the OTAs recently, whether I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and Grant Cohn claims he went, he went on video and stuff, basically, uh, like a selfie video thing, on his, and posted on his, on his podcast or his website, and basically said that Kinlaw approached him at the practice, walked up to him, knocked his hat off his head, and started calling him names that I can't repeat here on the, on the air. Uh, then those two set up like a FaceTime so that they could hash things out, and Javon Kinlaw <laughs> was listen. I, I don't like you know he's he's you know from a, a different part of the country, and he's obviously very young. He uses language and terminology. I have no idea what it means. Grant Grant Cohn didn't even know what it means. Javon Kinlaw does not come off sounding uh, very good, and even in one moment. Grant Cohn asked him if he thinks that the 49ers would be proud of the way that he's talking and the things that he's saying right now. But basically said that that uh, Javon Kinlaw said he, he he compared the size of his manhood to Grant Cohn's manhood and said that his was obviously larger than Grant Cohn's. Like I guess that you know means something. Uh, but nonetheless, if you're looking for <laughs> if you're looking for Two minutes of fun and watching two people just kind of yell and scream at each other and call each other names and say some funny things. Uh, I uh, encourage you to look up the Javon Kinlaw and Grant Cohn conversation from yesterday. All right, that is going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and keeping me on the air here. And 
Thanks to you guys for tuning in to the Jeff Dean Show here every weekday from 7 to 9 a.m. Tomorrow is a football Friday. Can't wait. We'll see you guys again here tomorrow at 7 a.m. on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.